welcome to episode 85 of the Colby Cast. Our Life After Colby series continues as Stephen and I take a cross-country tour of vibrant Catholic student ministries on state and secular campuses. In the spirit of St. John Henry Newman, whom we encountered in last week's episode, these campus ministries are reaching out to students, giving them places to call home away from home in more ways than one, and accompanying them on their walk into adulthood. Our guests also address concerns families may have about public and secular colleges and the potential harmful effects on the faith life of the students attending them. They speak to the fear factor that is a common experience of many families at this juncture, and they offer suggestions for ways to identify dynamic Newman centers as part of the college search. We're glad you're along for the ride. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. Our guests today are Mrs. Monica Conroe, a Colby mom, and Mr. Mark Knox from Texas A&M University, coming to talk to us today about life after Colby on a secular or private university campus. Welcome to the Colby Cast, guys. Howdy. Thank you for having us. We're so glad to have you. Uh, we've been doing the series Life After Colby, considering various uh, roads that students will take after they finish their Colby years, be that college or some other direction. Today, we'd like to turn our attention to the great things happening on campuses that are not Catholic universities and colleges, there are a lot of great things. I had no idea. So these two folks have are going to tell us all about it today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and the you know your experience with uh, either Catholic centers or Newman, Newman Center, um, Monica? My name is Monica Conroe. I have seven children, happily married, uh, cradle Catholic. My oldest child is 21 and my youngest is two. We've been homeschooling since my daughter, my oldest child, was, uh, well, the call came at three and a half, and I started at kindergarten. Um, I'm also a youth minister. I've been a youth minister for about 20 years or so, which is, of course, another calling. And I've been able to see, you know, common struggles in teens, um, same struggles over the years, just different ways of expression. And yeah, so I have my two oldest are in college, and they've both decided to go to Oregon State University, and we can talk about the whys later, I suppose. It's about an hour and 15 minutes south of where we live. We are obviously part of the Colby community. <laughs> Love Colby. <laughs> well, I'm Mark Knox. I am a class of 03 from Texas A&M University, and I went off on adventure trips and that sort of thing. I was thinking I was going to be an adventure guide and whatever else. And I was in seasonal work and I got a call from the Pines Catholic camp to go and do ministry there. And that's where I fell in love with ministry. From there, I went and did youth ministry in three different parishes in, in Texas and in Colorado for about 14 or so years. And then from there, I went and worked with Bishop Joseph Strickland in the Diocese of Tyler, Texas, and for about three years. And then from there, here to Texas A&M. I've now been here as the Director of Campus Ministry for the last four years. Great. We've got folks who can give us some good insights into, into this route after Colby. That's great. So 
There are a lot of reasons students have for going the state or secular route after Colby, among them cost or program availability, location, things like that. So we thought we'd take a, a sort of a bird's eye view of Newman centers and Catholic centers on these campuses and the great things that are going on, and many of them from, from ministry to residential life. Uh, we were hoping to have with us another Colby mom, Elise Athman, but unfortunately she couldn't make it today. She had some great experiences as a focus missionary and a student also on a state campus. So we'll hear from her. She was very kind to record her thoughts for us, so we will include that as well. Uh, we'll start actually with this very novel thing that I, I just can't get over, the idea of Catholic housing on a state school, which is um, part of Elise's experience at the University of Illinois. She lived in a dorm that is attached to the Newman Center. I think this is so interesting, and I'm wondering, that sounds great. I, I shared a dorm floor with, I don't know, 60 other girls when I went to school, and I'm thinking, that would have been great. So there are a number of universities that offer Catholic housing um, University of Illinois, like I mentioned, also the University of Nebraska and the University of North Dakota, among others. Here's more about the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign from Elise. University of Illinois is really unique because it has a Newman Center that is also a dorm. And I think it is actually one of the largest Newman Centers in the whole country or world. I can't remember. But um uh, yeah, so Newman Hall is attached to St. John's Catholic um, Chapel, and it's a big, beautiful chapel with white marble, and the Newman Center itself hosts just tons of events. I always used to say that they served things on a silver platter, um, things you can pick and choose from, whatever you wanted to be involved with in the church there. They have koinonia retreats. They have, well, of course, focus missionaries that lead Bible studies. And I should have mentioned that earlier about focus. That's, that is one of the other primary things that they do is lead Bible studies. And the Newman Center provides just all different service opportunities. I was able to go to Haiti on an immersion trip when I lived at Newman. I was able to go to Mississippi on a service trip. I was involved with Focus. I was able to go to Mass there every day, just get really involved. And so that was really important to my college life. Um, so that was another another thing that I, I really appreciated the St. John's Catholic Chapel, which is attached literally to the Newman Center dorms, they offered at the time three masses a day and confessions every day and several masses on the weekends with different choirs for every mass. And this is on a secular campus. Newman Hall is right there in the middle of campus. And so you can't miss it. I always said it was like a Catholic Camelot in the middle of everything. So you have this big Big Ten University that offers so many wonderful things, but is is very liberal in, in a lot of ways in their classes. But then you have the support of so many amazing Catholic priests and nuns and other students that really do allow you to remain and practice your Catholic faith on that state campus. So that was my experience with the Newman Center there. It really was a wonderful thing. That just sounds amazing. Are either of you familiar with this this great concept of, of Newman housing or Catholic living on a state or secular campus? You know, I would affirm 
the need is there. You know, we actually have quite a few students that do live together. They make their own arrangements to make sure that they are living with Catholic friends and, and they'll create little households. They'll have their own little names. But I do wish that we did have, you know, our own dorm or something like that. I think there are some complications of like what happens what happens if a student gets drunk, you know, on campus or somebody's caught sleeping together, you know, that that could always be kind of a scandalous thing. And so we've kind of moved away from actually going into that, plus all the work it takes to manage that type of house. But there's definitely a need that I see, you know, when it can be done really well, it can be very beneficial and life changing for for those who get to participate in that. Yeah. At Oregon State, they don't have dorms, what you were describing, like 60 people in a house, but they do do uh, what Mark was saying was households. And the Newman Center really oversees that if you want to participate in the households where you have a mentor for your household, and then you're encouraged to, you know, meal plan together and budget together and meet so many times a week to pray together and they do do the names they all have to do with cardinal newman that's uh, yeah that's very yeah cool. and yeah but they choose to do it some you know some people don't choose to do the household route and that's okay but a lot of times it's really just like you gather some female friends or ma male friends from the newman center get together you either find a house or a house is given to you you still pay rent, but at a reasonable rate. And then, yeah, you live together. And it's a learning experience, as we all know, living with other people and learning how to budget and um, meal plan, especially for the young men. They have to, you know, learn how to cook and stuff like that. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's been a good experience for my kids anyway to be in households. These housing arrangements sound really interesting and really ideal, all the different ways that, that folks can enter into community that's so necessary. That is a very heartening to hear. There are other great things happening on state and secular campuses, including a partnership between Arizona State and the University of Mary, to which we'll link in our show notes, and all kinds of opportunities for small groups, service, ongoing catechesis and formation, intramural athletics, all sorts of things happening. So um, we'd love to hear about your own experiences, though, and your insights into um, life at this in this season. So Monica, would you tell us your, a bit about your family's story and experience, especially at Oregon State? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, with seven kids, you know, you, you really hope that you don't mess up with the first one. Uh, <laughs> and so poor child is the guinea pig. But we're blessed that she was really motivated to really find a university that was uh, close to home. But she really wanted the Catholic identity part, and but she didn't want to incur the ridiculous amount of loans that usually happens at private colleges. So we looked at three things, mm -hmm. distance, and uh, so we looked at the, the closest Catholic universities around us that fit her. But the, the sad thing was that um, the Catholic identity wasn't as strong as what she wanted. And then, of course, the financial issue. So we had heard a lot about the Newman Center at Oregon State 
And, you know, it's really hard when people go, oh, it's, it's really great. It's wonderful. Uh, you got to try it out. You got to go check it out. But, you know, until you're actually there and you and you go, okay, I probably should check this out because we're kind of out of options because most really good Catholic colleges are, you know, you have to take a plane and you put that into the equation of how much things cost, you know, flying kids back and forth during holidays or birthdays or whatever. And it's really expensive. So we were kind of forced to look at Oregon State and um, talk to people. And I would say that would be a really important thing is to talk to people who have been there and have experienced the culture. So we did that. And then we went to visit it. And it was very impressive. The St. John Society priests who are based in Argentina uh, were brought up several years ago to really manage the Oregon State Newman Center. And they have brought such holiness to that place of secularism that it is really infectious. They've developed a format, and it's taken a while to do this, but they've developed a format that is, is really well done. And so we finally decided on it because even though she did get merit-based scholarships with the Catholic universities that she applied to that she really wanted to go to, it still was kind of outrageous to, you know, when you add four years to that and then any other expenses that we would incur. So she ended up getting um, scholarships, uh, merit-based scholarship. So when we factored in the fact that when if she would go to Oregon State and she would be able to have the scholarships that were merit-based because um, with private schools, when we were looking at Catholic universities, because we, were, we couldn't get need-based scholarships, it just wasn't doable when we have seven children. We, we do give our kids some money for college, but not we don't cover it all because they have to put some um, elbow grease in, into their education. And so she had to kind of figure out like, okay, what am I willing to do? So that's what kind of motivated her to really apply for a lot of scholarships that were just kind of randomly around. And so, yeah, so she got in and the great thing about what the Newman Center there does is they have a retreat right off the bat for freshmen, incoming freshmen, and really try to, like, well, they, they do a really good job with Welcome Week, first of all. My daughter says that some of her friends are there because of Welcome Week. Every day they, they have something available that's fun and um, inviting, welcoming, and they have volunteer missionaries that really are infectious. You know, they're there to just be missionaries and they've given a, an, a year of their life to just um, share the good news. And so they welcome people at Welcome Week and she was really impressed with some of the welcoming that happened. <laughs> Effective hospitality. It's great. Hospitality is huge. Yeah. And food too. Food is important for college kids. Um, but so they have the volunteer missionary program, which is impressive in itself to look up to people who, and they're mostly, you know, like twenties in their early twenties. So knowing that they gave their, uh, a year of their life 
to this service is really, really wonderful. And then the Newman Center also has formation. So once they once they come into the freshman retreat, which of course is great, they like they come out of that retreat just you know really ingrained in the community and just really owning their own faith because that's what you have to do in college, right? And then uh, they start them out with a program called Venture. They have an alpha program. So they have a formation set up. It seems very organized. Um, so people that don't go through Venture go through alpha. And then they have this other, this uh, like for the following year, I think like junior, sophomore, junior year, they have what's called Fragua. So it's just like entering in a lot deeper. And then they have what's called Omega for your senior year that prepares you to embark on your life. They have uh, fun activities, of course, you know, where you get together and play soccer, basketball. They have barbecues, bowling, hikes you know, different things like that. And then also part of formation is they have um, Newman lectures. So they, every once a month or every other month or something, they have a speaker come in and speak about something. And then of course they have retreats, they have masses twice a week and um, in the evenings. And then um, I know they have confession and also adoration. Bible studies. Um, and then another thing that they have done, which has been super helpful for my kids, is a mentoring program. So they have the student partner with one of the volunteer missionaries as their mentor, and they meet uh, once a week or every other week or something like that. So that regularity. Sounds yeah. Good. They can count on it. Yeah. And they are definitely challenged in their faith. I think that's really important. Uh, it's really amazing when you walk into your child's room and you see a rosary hanging on their bedpost, you know? Yeah. They also have events. There's a lot of support, monetary support for this Newman Center. Then they're able to rent a bus, a charter bus, and drive down to Walk for Life West Coast in January. And that's a really fun event. And not fun also, but I mean, it is fun, but at the same time, purposeful. And they have a pilgrimage walk which is also really impressive. They do like a three-day walk, Memorial Weekend. They walk from Salem to Portland, and they end at the Grotto. And yeah, like we're talking blistered feet, you know, walking, mm -hmm. I don't know, at least eight hours a day, if not 12. Wow. And then at the end, they have Mass, and it is just inspiring to see all of these young people really just owning up to their faith like like they have their music people who just play just beautiful music makes you cry and we're in the chapel at the grotto in portland and it's just echoing with beautiful voices and if you look around no one's really looking at each other they're seriously kneeling and bending before the Lord. It's it's just really amazing. Yeah, and so St. John's Society has done a really great job. I mean, holiness is infectious, so there are holy holy men who have really 
have really done an, a wonderful job of um, centering Christ in the life of these young people. Um, there is also a religious sisters. They're also a presence as well. And so much so that they're starting to spread. So the St. John Society Newman Center are sending volunteer missionaries to um, try to spread the goodness, um, Washington, D.C., and also up north at Portland State. So they're doing really great things, and um, it's just, it's really beautiful to actually see your child. You know, you, you you walk with them for so many years, and you hope, right? Like, uh, I'm a firm believer in that we're, you know, we're raising adults and saints, so you hope for that, right? <laughs> and at some point, you have to let them go, and they have to make the choice themselves. One thing also I would say about going to a public school Newman Center is the importance of having to choose it. It's, it, you know, they have to choose to participate. And that's kind of the nervous thing about, um, you know, a parent sending your kids there because you send them to a Catholic university, you're like, okay, their environment is complete. I mean, they they still have choices, right? But their environment, you know, I don't have to worry too much. Too much. But at a public school, you kind of have to go, all right, I trust and I pray that you choose to go to Mass, at least on Sundays, um, that you go to adoration. And, you know, and it's it's where you see the fruition of of the efforts that you know like all those hard times when you drag them to mass and you know and you called family prayer together even though people were moaning you know it just kind of is really neat to see the kids really take on their own relationship with god it sure sounds like that they work hard there to provide all kinds of opportunities for students to join the community, to be a part of something, to meet people, which is so much of the what I was looking for when I went to school, right, is looking to, to meet people and belong somewhere. And they provide all kinds of ways to make that happen and get them involved and keep them there. That's great. Right. Well, I think the struggle with going to a, a public university is that just like in any place you go, your desire is to find a community that that you feel validated or that you feel comfortable being who you are. Mm -hmm. And that's the struggle that a lot of people have just in general. And so you go to a public university where, you know, 95% of it is, is pretty secular. And so you kind of are in a way, like, where, where do I fit in? Well, I got to go, uh, I either go find a community or I'm a loner, you know, like, I'm just going to go do the, the, the class thing, go home and not have a community. Sure. Yeah. But what I think the Newman Center, um, not just this one, but I'm sure what Mark is, has to share as well is, is providing that, ready-made community where you feel safe and validated and you can feel um, enriched in your life and you're able to move forward in developing who you are and and learning how to flourish as you know god's gift absolutely well that sounds like a great place to be oregon state 
Mark, we hear lots of good things about St. Mary's Catholic Center at Texas A&M University. It was one of the top universities mentioned in an article that we will link in our show notes, the top 50 best college Newman centers from April of 2021. We're going to link that in our notes. Let's hear about St. Mary's Catholic Center in College Station, Texas. Sure, yeah. You know, Texas A&M and Texas in general is still relatively religious. Uh, When the students here at A&M were surveyed, 75% said that they still believed in God in some capacity. I think around 50% considered themselves religious. And uh, so there's a there's a very uh, a great freedom to be able to practice your faith at A&M. On the on the Protestant side, there's a an event called Breakaway, and they have this extraordinary event on campus. And there's about 2,000 students every week that are you know going to the Reed Arena, the basketball stadium, and filling it for their non-denominational services. And then on the Catholic side, we would roughly say there's 17,000 Aggie Catholics. Yeah. Wow. Uh, we only see right now post COVID. We've been seeing roughly around 3,000 of them. We Pre-COVID, our mass attendance was around four to 5,000. Right now, we're about 2,500 to 3,000 on the weekend, which is a great number, but there's still, it shows a lot of work to be done. Yeah. So folks may know, also may recognize St. Mary's Catholic Center as the origin of the 40 Days for Life campaign, which we are recording this in the month of October. And that is happening here in, in my area and probably around the United States as well, I would assume. So I, that that started at Texas A&M, right? Absolutely. You know, Abby Johnson was in Bryan, Texas when that was all going down. I, I still remember as a student in class of 03, the Knights of Columbus here were very, very strong and always promoting, you know, let's, let's go pray in front of the abortion clinic. Let's go pray in front of the abortion clinic. They did signups and students went in droves to go pray. And because of that, you know, those students, their presence, their prayerful love for every human person that was walking up uh, for those procedures, you know, that that's what changed the hearts of Abby and, and what got that movement started. And that that Planned Parenthood space ended up shutting down. And, and that's now the office for 40 Days for Life. Wow. I was I was kind of struck with Monica's account of kind of students coming in and how they're really kind of brought into the community. And, you know, I was thinking I, I went to a, a Catholic school, which was was wonderful. And I really loved that time. But even there, it would be when you would come in, you'd have to be a little careful because my experience has always been coming from public school or even in a Catholic school that it's often the people who are might not be living the best lives that are sometimes the first ones to reach out and try to like, hey, let's go drinking. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Um, so I was impressed that there, there's that reach reaching out um, and the activities to because again even though I was at a Catholic school the weekend would come around and it's kind of like well what are you going to do are people underage people going off drinking or not doing the the things that they necessarily should be doing so Mark could you maybe tell us a little bit about how that works at Texas A&M sure yeah we began collecting data on incoming freshmen all throughout the entire year so Right now, we actually have a database with about 40 or so freshmen that are going to be coming next year, and we continue to collect that data. We allow them to put their information in, and over the course of the summer, we began putting them into small groups. We have a team of around 150 upperclassmen that are 
preparing throughout the entire year. When we get summer, they're automatically putting these students into groups. We'll take the Newman Collection list. We'll take students that are at new student conferences that say they want information. We'll take all these and we'll compile a giant database. This past year, we got about 800 freshmen in our database that we're going to be here. And so we put them in small groups and we put on a two-day retreat during Howdy Week. It's the week before school starts. And normally that Sunday before, that's when all the students move in. And we have an event every single night of the week. Mm -hmm. These groups are doing events on campus, in their dorms, around their dorms. We put them in small groups with their dorms. And it's so one of the funniest things is when they show up to the Connect Retreat, they're like, hey, you're in my dorm. Yeah. We're in the same small group. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, we, we did that on purpose. you know. <laughs> but the great thing is at the end of that two days, there's usually about 400 or so freshmen that go on the Connect Retreat. It's all student run. So there's about 150 or so sophomores, juniors, seniors that are small group leaders, household leaders, and exec team. They're putting on skits and they're doing talks and all that. It's all student-led, the whole thing. And we have one advisor, one of our campus ministers is advising that organization that does that. But it's a great way to just welcome the freshmen, get them involved. We do welcome packet pickup. We have like this whole free t-shirt and all this stuff. We handed about 900 t-shirts to freshmen this year, which is extraordinary. Yeah. How big is the student population now? I was thinking it was significant. Yeah, it's a huge school. That's one of the reasons why our numbers are so big. You know, there's about 70,000 students at A&M. There's also Blinn College, which is a small community college. It's about a quarter or a half the cost of A&M. And I want to say the enrollment there is about maybe three to 5,000. And then we just opened up a Relis campus that's right outside of town. And that's more of a like a trade school type thing. And oh, cool. I'm not sure what the enrollment of the Relis campus is, but it's it's just now started and it's getting bigger for those who don't want a four-year education, mm-hmm. but they want to come grow in a particular skill. They can go to school at the Relis campus for you know a, a fraction of the cost of, of A&M four-year degree. That's neat. Well, certainly in a school that size, I went to a big state school. It's not that big, but in a big state school, that is the name of the game, right? Just finding a place to belong and and certainly all, all the things you work toward. But I'm thinking, you know, we get a lot of email from College Board right now for our students who are nearing the end of high school. So they're already kind of looking at different colleges and getting uh, communications from them. And I'm so glad to hear that it's also coming from from you and, and your colleagues at university centers around the country that students who are looking at discerning where, where to head after Colby will have a place, someone like a face, a name, someone to talk to that they have a contact, not just be contemplating this giant school that they're going to go to, that they have an actual connection there. That's great. It makes all the difference. Yeah. One of the things on that connect retreat is we, once we get their contact information, have them in a group, it's broken down so that a small group leader has 10 students or less that they're working with, and they'll start doing their outreach throughout the summer, particularly the beginning of August. So when they show up to the campus, They've already got a connection of about eight or so other students right. and a current student that has been kind of walking and talking with them the last you know, few weeks. Fantastic. Living in Oregon, it's a very difficult place to be Catholic. Mm-hmm. And so 
it's been helpful to have this place close by, which I'm guessing is can be in other places as well, you know, that are not like strongly Christian Catholic lands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's it's just really hard. And so one one of the benefits of and this and this is because I've I've just seen it, right? And I've I see it in high schoolers as well. But one of the I don't know if benefits or outcomes of going to more of a public school in 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 college mm-hmm. <laughs> is that you have to make that decision about who you are, right? Like here in a very secular state, it's really hard being Catholic. Uh, we fight against a lot of things. And so uh, you go to college and it's like you feel like you're once again fighting. But you are forced to say, who am I? Who am I? Because it's it's integral into forming who you are uh, is is looking at yourself and going who am I, am I? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> maybe I need to figure that out. And and it just forces you to ask that question. And I think um, like I've seen um, sometimes, you know, when you're in your Catholic environment where it's quite safe. You don't have to ask that question. You just kind of accept that that's who you are. And the challenge doesn't kind of force you up into um, uh, taking a look at yourself and challenging yourself in faith. Uh, that, that I think, has also been a really beautiful thing to see. Anyway, I just wanted to add that piece. I used to teach um, high school chemistry and physics online, and I had a couple of students of mine that went to Texas A&M, as a matter of fact. They've graduated, uh, but I was talking with one of them a year or two after they graduated, and he was just telling me about not only the wonderful Catholic experience that he had kind of personally, but also the outreach he was able to participate in at the secular things, in particular, like talking to other male students about the dangers and the, the harm of pornography and, and all of these things. So, I mean, can you talk a little bit about that, Mark? Sure. Yeah. Evangelization really is the heart of what we do. There's two folds. There's both the receiving, you know, the receiving the word and, and then also being able to transmit the word. We do a great job forming our freshmen in John 15. It's a giant organization, about 400 freshmen. They go through that a weekly thing every single week. But then the leaders of that are are learning the skills of how do I lead a small group? How do I lead an organization? How do I give talks? That sort of thing, right? So it's all this formation piece of taking ownership in the faith. And then how do they live that out? You know, how do they take that to campus? And that's a way that we form them in particular. I'll give you a really good example of what that looks like is Right before the Alabama-Texas A&M game, we actually had a Eucharistic procession where we had an event called Magnify. There were about 800 freshmen that came in. We had the uh, CFRs present. They gave a short talk. And then we took Jesus on the A&M campus. The whole behind-the-scenes work is we took about maybe 50 or so of our student leaders, and we did a formation for them on what it looks like to evangelize in front of this Eucharistic procession. And so... I was out there with my staff 
And we equipped them with some flyers and some language, some tools on how to approach people. And so we're sitting here bringing Jesus through Northgate, the, the drinking district, the bar district. And we have freshmen, we have sophomores, we have juniors, we have upperclassmen walking up to guys at the bar, having a conversation with them, starting out with, you got to be curious on what you're seeing, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, what's, what is, what's, what's happening? What are you doing? Yeah. No lie. There are two guys that were getting out of their truck that jumped in with our procession. Instead of going to the bar, they jumped in and they did the whole procession for the next two hours with us. Wow. We're crossing the street. Police are blocking University Drive, four, four or five lanes of traffic. And we're bringing Jesus across. One guy gets out of his truck, is kneeling in University Drive. Um, watching the procession while the rest of our upperclassmen are walking up to cars, walking up to people they're seeing and having conversation at these stopped cars of like, this is what's happening. We're walking through campus and we handed out about 400 flyers and visited with random strangers that were having Bible studies on campus that were having scavenger hunts and just constantly talking. I was so proud. Yeah. To watch our upperclassmen just have these natural conversations with strangers, I ran into a core guy who hadn't been to Mass in the last two years or so, and we grabbed lunch the next day and just talked about faith, you know, and just the opportunities that were presented there were absolutely beautiful. And that's one of the missions is, you know, sometimes we think that the church has a mission and we lose the fact that the church is a mission. And we're in a decline. I mean, I don't know if you know the numbers, but we're seeing in two years, we have millennials. Their children will be here at Texas A&M. Millennials are practicing roughly around 36% in, in their Catholic faith. And so in the next two years, we're going to see a decline in just Catholic population. And we've got to be doing more than just you know, offering programs and waiting for people to come to us. We have to be forming our students to go out into the world and to proclaim the gospel where other people are. I almost had to throw in an amen there. That was great. That's right. That's very <laughs> compelling. Yeah. It's, um, it's quite stirring. I can tell, I can tell your enthusiasm and your devotion, how, how that draws people in. And uh, what I've heard over and over in this conversation is, is the idea of connection and belonging and, Elise, who couldn't join us today, recorded her thoughts on her experience as a focused missionary working toward the same end of, of building connections among the students and, and evangelizing and, and bringing them to Christ. So here are her thoughts on that. At Montana State University, I was a focused missionary there. So it, it wasn't exactly a Newman Center, but they're trying to kind of make it into that a little bit more. If anyone has an opportunity to get their kids plugged into any focus missionaries at their universities, whether it's a secular university or it's a private Catholic school, I would say that that is going to be really beneficial. Those missionaries are trained to win over young people for Christ and to bring them closer to their faith. And I know that on a college campus that can be really challenging, but um, where parents maybe aren't as influential um, as, it, as they'd like to be sometimes, or as we would hope they would be, young adults are really attractive to other young adults, um, especially coming in and trying new things. So you have these 
just graduated or recently graduated young adults who love their faith and um, are on fire for their faith and will go pray rosaries, go to daily mass, but then will also go out dancing or, you know, have a beer together, something like that, that college students can relate to. So I think that that's um, one thing about focus, that it's solid, it's orthodox, it's an orthodox program. The missionaries are trained by some amazing professors, and um, it's just a solid program. You know you're going to get good stuff if they're being mentored by the missionaries. And the way that they do that is through small and large group events and one-on-one mentorship. They basically take students under their wing and they see leaders in those students and they train them to be leaders in their faith. And it's just, it's, it's part of spiritual multiplication. And then those students will take somebody else under their wing and, and that's just kind of how it works. So, um, it really is an amazing way of of evangelizing. So those a lot of you know students might even go on to become focus missionaries because it really made an impact on their lives. So that's I guess the really really quick description of focus, and there's so much more to it. Both of you have spoken so eloquently and enthusiastically and compellingly about the experiences you've had ministering to Catholics on campuses and sending your children to campuses and trusting them to the care of ministers at those campuses. We, we tend to hear the negative things, so it's great to hear these, these positive things that are happening. Do you have any final thoughts, Mark, as a campus minister that you would offer to parents and students who are concerned about a state or secular school and the potential detrimental effects on the faith life of their students attending one of those schools? Um, what, what would you say to them? I would say that there has to be an element of trust you know, like there, there has to be an element of trust and just letting go and, and that the Lord is there. There does need to be a good opportunities that are offered. You know, like I wouldn't send my, my kid to a secular school that doesn't have anything, mm-hmm. you know, St. Mary's, we have daily mass twice a day, every day of the week. And there's about 400 students that go every day to daily mass. Wow, That doesn't happen at every school. And so I would definitely be cautious to make sure that there are opportunities for adoration, that there are regular opportunities for confession. And, and at that, you know, sometimes you just have to let go and, and trust that, that the Lord will, will do his work and pray for your children, that the right people will find them and, and engage them and that they, you know, um, it's not all on you. That's right. It's on the parents. Sometimes we get in that fallacy, like it's all on me to find this for them and do this for them. It's not, it's not, this is good. Mm Yeah. Well, Yeah. One thing I could say on that too is that there's a lot of parents that will contact us and be like, "Will you call my kid? You know, will you get them to go to mass?" And it's like, you know, at this point, like it's it's in their hands. You know, we can do our part to let them know we're here, but most likely they know we're here. There's just an element mm-hmm. for them that they have to choose it. It sounds so wonderful. I mean, because like my, the first thing that jumps to mind is like, okay. Um, sending my child to a public university means that they're not going to get the Catholic formal formation as part of the curriculum. But I love how and both of your, what you've talked about, that that extra formation is given outside of the curriculum, but it's there as long as they're willing to kind of reach out and 
and participate in that. And you guys are reaching out to, or Mark, you're, you're, you guys are reaching out to them as well. So it's not just a, a one-sided thing, but it's there. Well, and I would also say about the curriculum, obviously it's not Catholic or Christian in, you know, in its essence, but, but it's also important that, that we all learn at some point to think critically about information that is given to us. And at that point in their lives, uh, they probably should be thinking in a critical way. So in a way, I, I feel okay about putting my kids in that situation where it's like, okay, uh, I've done my best to help you learn how to think critically about things. So here's your chance <laughs> and to do well and to excel in, in areas of faith within the secular culture, because obviously at some point we're all going to have to be in that in that world, if you will. Um, at least here at Colby, we'd like to think that this curriculum, this formation through Colby is setting you up well to kind of make that next step too. So hopefully that's, that's your experience. Right. I, I also wanted to echo what Mark was saying about trusting your, your children and, um, and trusting in the Lord. It's a hard part of being a parent, but at the same time, we've done our we've done our part and and it's now our time to pray like heck man like <laughs> just pray and trust and be there when your kids struggle and they need to struggle in different ways and that's okay we all need to struggle cuz that's how we grow in our faith so maybe they do need to fall a few times in college and that's all right um we pray for them be there for them love them and and then trust and pray that, like Mark said, that there are other people that will be put into their lives to help pick them up and pray for them as well and walk alongside them when we're not there. One thing I could say to that, too, is that one of the coolest things is to see how many confirmation students we have coming in. They were in high school. They refused to get confirmation or their parents didn't take them. And, you know, there was a somewhere along the line and back in the day that they just didn't, it wasn't there for them. They didn't have the relationship with Jesus. They weren't ready to commit. And now they're in college. They're choosing it for themselves. And there's a deep, a very deep conviction that they have. And they're going through the RCIA process that we have. We have about 30 a semester going through just to get confirmed because they missed it. But now there's this deep, conviction and going through that process of RCA and being formed in such a, a wonderful way, they come out of that ready to go. I mean, they're lit on fire, ready to proclaim the gospel and invite others in. And they can share now a story of being away and then coming back. And so, you know, for some reason, their kids are, are struggling in the faith right now. And it feels like, oh, now's the time and I've got to do it now or it's never going to happen, you know, to just kind of let go of some of that fear and and hopefully put them in the hands of the Lord. Just love them, love them well. And if if there's an opportunity to come back to the church, if if the Lord wills that and and they find their place back at home in the church, there's going to be an even deeper conviction than they had earlier than earlier in their life 
And a consolation for me is is always knowing that the, that God loves them more than I love them, and so He would never, you know, He would never abandon them. And so my prayer is always united with God's. So having having said that, like even if they don't choose the Newman Center, and and maybe they're, you know, Mark said, you know, we let go, and it happens when they're fifty, you know, like that is that is part of their their walk and sometimes having like mark was saying um that contrast of like being without god versus a life with god and being able to see both sides of that really propels you into um a life with god even more so than if you had had him all along i mean at some point we all have to have our internal conversion but i'm just saying like that that contrast it makes it um compelling much consolation and reassurance to families who are could quite possibly be in that place of fear of quite fearful about what what is to come and what might happen well it sounds like there are so many great things happening i've heard you mention a number of things that kind of tip me off to ways of knowing that these campus ministry programs you all both know are are alive uh, the frequency of the sacraments the liturgical celebrations the vibrant life that you cultivate from the get go from before students arrive on campus are there other ways that families might be able to identify if a school has a vibrant uh, campus ministry or newman program as they're as they're contemplating these various schools like i like i said earlier like I think word of mouth is huge. I would just talk to people who've been there. Well, the school that I went to did not have a very uh, well-formed Newman Center. And it'd be helpful to know that. And, you know, the way has been paved in some places. But like Mark said, I mean, you have to tread carefully <laughs> and choose choose your, if you're going to go the um, secular school route, that you discern that well and look at the pros and cons of the school and go visit, see what it's like if you can go for a week, but who has that time? But um, <laughs> uh, just kind of experience the life of the, of the Newman Center. I'd begin with just talking to your kids and, you know, seeing what it is that they're looking for in college, what kind of campus ministry that they would want. And then when you're starting to Look at schools to see, you know, is this a school I could potentially go to? Make sure you include a visit and, you know, walk through the student center, see what they have, what programs they have, scour the uh, the website, make sure that there are Bible studies and other things like that. Focused missionaries are always really great on campuses. We have nine here at St. Mary's. Uh, do they have any religious sisters? Do they do spiritual direction? We have we have three religious sisters, three priests here. We have five campus ministers, you know, so there's a lot of resources that are being poured in. Is the campus ministry you're looking at, are they pouring in resources? Do they have the resources to meet the needs? There's a lot of campuses that only have one or two campus ministers and that's it. And it's in the most beneficial setting, you would actually be in a situation where your child is being discipled. By someone. And discipleship is incredibly inefficient. <laughs> like one-to-one -one ministry is very, very inefficient, but it, it is the deepest. And so finding, are there opportunities like SPO, St. Paul's Outreach, where they have households or they're investing in dorms? 
do they have focus at do discipleship or enough campus ministers and programs and organizations that you know your student could get one-on-one attention that's what i would be looking for the most and when you go visit does a mass does a homily does a music does it can you see yourself there because that's really going to be the ultimate decision is when a student walks in and they go to mass there and you're like do you see yourself here well no like all the people look like nerds or or uh, they didn't look like me. It, it didn't feel like a place that I would fit. Okay, well, then we need to, you know, at least look other places and um, not to settle, you know, if you can avoid it. Sometimes you can't help it. <laughs> you know, sometimes finances get in the way and, and you can't help but just go somewhere and hope it works out. All this is... Um really underscoring that the necessity of putting a close look at the campus ministry of any school and contemplation at the very top of the list among the other priorities with, you know, the program we're looking at and location and cost and all those, it's a definitely a high priority. Is there anything else that we've missed? I would say one more thing that would be vital to be looking for when you're choosing a campus ministry, how many vocations come out of there? Mm. Yeah. That's a really good number. And, and if, or if, and, or if you stop in and you stop in for adoration, how many people are there at adoration Mm -hmm. here at St. Mary's? We have about 15. If you walk in the adoration chapel right now, you're going to see 10 to 15 students here in our discernment. We normally have about eight go into religious life every year. Fantastic. Those are our numbers. Now we have a big school, but you know, it, if you're asking if if they they've had any vocations and they're like not in the last ten years, <laughs> you, you might want to think twice about you know whether you're going to send your kid there. That's a really good point. Oregon State Newman Center definitely has vocations coming out of it. It's very evident of uh, <laughs> the infectious holiness and the and how they direct people to answer the call. Well, we will be sure to link both of these campus ministry locations, St. Mary's Catholic Center and the Newman Center at Oregon State. In the show notes today, along with this article we referenced earlier, the 50 best college Newman centers, and some other information that we've collected about Newman centers and campus ministry. Monica and Mark, we sure appreciate your time today. We thank Elise for her thoughts as well. And we're sorry she couldn't join us today. We sure appreciate her contributions to this conversation. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Bonnie, Mark. Nice meeting you all. Thank you. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Colby Cast in your favorite podcast app to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd love to hear from you. So feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorum Dei Gloriam.